Why should you believe in Will Levis this year? All that and more on today's episode of Locked On Dynasty. You are Locked On Dynasty Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Thanks for making Locked On Dynasty your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. Welcome to the Locked On Dynasty Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell. You can follow me on Twitter at RyanMC23. Joining me, as always, is Matt Williamson. Find Matt on Twitter at WilliamsonNFL. Matt, we've got another guest today. Yeah, how about it, man? We're gearing up for the draft here, coming down the home stretch, back-to-back guests. Let's just dig right in, man. I love it. We had some good conversation yeah. yesterday with our buddy Travis May. Uh, Travis has been on the show quite a few times. We've we've got a first-timer here, and I'm excited <laughs> because he's one of my favorite people in the industry uh, and, and certainly one of my favorite analysts when it comes to the NFL draft and rookie dynasty drafts. We've got Cody Carpentier. Just he's high on Will Levis. That, that, I think that has something to do with it. <laughs> well, that, that's really all it takes, on. but uh, <laughs> Cody's got a lot going on for him. Cody Carpentier from <laughs> playerprofiler.com. Cody, how's it going? Doing pretty good. I knew I knew I'd get you with that Kentucky home cooking with Will Levis. I, I mean, it, did, it didn't take much. I knew that much. But uh, I appreciate both you guys for having me on. It's uh, it's an honor to uh, make my debut here, uh, Ryan. It's been uh, like already a month and a half since we were at the combine bowling together and uh, hanging out. So uh, again, appreciate. You. Hope you guys are doing good. No doubt. Yeah, we're good. We've got a lot to cover today. Uh, as, as I said, we did enjoy. Uh, our conversation with Travis yesterday, even though Travis has kind of gotten a reputation as a Will Levis hater in this uh, in this pre-draft process, and I'm okay with that. I still like him, uh, but I do I do like you a little bit more, Cody, because you are a Will Levis fan. Today, we are going to talk about Will Levis. We're going to talk about several of these intriguing prospects. And uh, just uh, just in the past couple of weeks or so, you guys over there at Player Profiler have released your rookie guide chock full of information on on all these prospects we care about and one thing that i love and you know it's tough to differentiate yourself because everybody kind of has a rookie guide this time of year and um and, and there's good information in in all of those really but sometimes you start seeing the same thing said over and over and i love that you guys go out on a limb a little bit you're not afraid to um you know to follow the rankings and and trust what you have have seen in the data, have seen on on the film, and sometimes your rankings don't match up with with rankings that you see everywhere else. I love that. Most definitely, I think that's the the key, and that's you know when I took over the project of of building a rookie guide last year, that was one of my big focuses. Is that I wanted it to be uh, enough information to where everybody can learn something from it, but also not too much information. So it's not just an entire sheet of words. So you can see like there's film notes on there, but it's only like a a paragraph or two for any given guy, because I don't, I don't, I'm not someone who loves sitting, reading, 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 reading. I want some stats. I want some comps. I want some, you know, a grade. I want stats. I want a mixture of everything. And that's kind of what I try to give uh, in this rookie guide. So yeah, that's uh, I appreciate the compliment on that. And that's just kind of the goal. And, and, and also when you talk about like the rankings and stuff, you talked about Levis and I know we'll talk about some other guys like Jill and Hyatt that maybe we're not as high on, or maybe we're higher on other guys. That's just the, the, the way it is. I, I think we try to skew away from, from just rolling with ADP, I guess that's, that's kind of the, one of the big things. Yeah, I urge everyone to check this out because it's really well written. It's a it's a really in a digestible form as well as you mentioned. 
but I like that you take some stands. I mean, there's guys you're higher on than consensus, and that's what it's all about. So that's what we're going to touch on mostly today, right? Absolutely. It's it's easy to get caught up in that ADP, in those rankings that almost become default. Um, so today we're going to focus on some rookie outliers. These are players that you guys do have ranked uh, significantly higher or in some cases lower than what you would consider consensus ranks. And, and we'll we'll touch on Levis here a little bit. Um, and we're going to talk about two different rankings. You guys release a film, uh, or I'm sorry, a, a NFL draft ranking or a prospect ranking, essentially taking the fantasy piece out of it. And uh, I, I know this number, this ranking comes just from you, Cody. And then you and your team work together to form that, uh, that fantasy ranking, rookie dynasty ranking. Now, Will Levis, you have him as the quarterback four uh, in fantasy, as most people do at this point. But I know you individually are much higher on him. He is your quarterback, too, in the draft class. So just talk to us about why. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy everything you say here. <laughs> so having him quarterback, too, uh, it's, it's a, for me, it's a 1A, 1B thing. Both C.J. Stroud and Will Levis isn't, have an 8.05 grade for me. Um, I think it's more of like a, a choose what you want, choose your, your taste or whatever they call it. Um, if, you're, if you're trying to win now, I think Stroud's a safe, safe bet. Um, I've comped him to Teddy Bridgewater multiple times. A lot of people hate that, but I think he's perfectly well. I mean, you remember T- Teddy Bridgewater coming out. I mean, Louisville's right down the road from you. Yep. Teddy Bridgewater yep. was a first-round pick, and he went to the Vikings, and he was good. And he was progressing well, but he was never a tier one quarterback. And I think that's kind of what people are assuming CJ Stroud is. They're trying to tie the Joe Burrow lines to CJ Stroud. I'm just not there quite le- quite yet on him. Um, and and kind of through my process, my um, projecting at the quarterback position, and at, which I think a lot of people need to start doing, is projecting. That's what the NFL should be doing more. So instead of taking you know what you do know or what you think you know in the Strouds and the Youngs, you got to be able to project and you got to be able to trust your coaching staff to bring these guys along. And I think if you're going to project any of these guys i know the allure is there with anthony richardson but will levis is the one that best translates for me as far as a projection goes in the nfl if you're you know you hear josh allen all the time but i see a justin fields type that runs slower he runs a four seven four whatever it is uh i i think he's a he's a justin fields type when it comes to the arm talent i think he can do uh and and make every throw that there is i think the the easy throws look way too easy for levis but i think he does struggle at, at times pushing downfield and in the middle quadrants which it happens. I mean, he's playing the SEC against tough competition, and you're trying to play hot, play you know up to a level that you're not quite at uh, as far as the talent around you. I think as far as pure arm strength, I've said this multiple times. I think the minute he's drafted, he's going to have a top five arm in the NFL as far as talent and strength. Um, yes, there's a incompetence at the offensive line at Kentucky. You saw that, um, oh, yeah. but I think when you get him in an offense with weapons, you're going to be very happy in the NFL. And if I was a GM, I would be very content sitting back at number four. If I was the Indianapolis Colts and taking him. Um, now you go to the, the fantasy side of everything. Why is he number four? Point blank. I mean, you're playing super flex fantasy football. You want that mainstay at quarterback, and you get that Kirk Cousins type. That's that C.J. Stroud. That's that Bryce Young. And then, of course, of course, Anthony Richardson, over the last five years, the Konami factor. Richardson just has to be up into that conversation because even if uh, he, he completing a ball at 50% in the NFL, he still has a 1,200, 1,400 yard rushing upside as a rookie, in my opinion. Um, and then you also have the age coefficient that goes in there as well with Levis being 23 and these other guys being 21. So um, that's why I have Levis higher, but I also see uh, where people could differ against that. But yeah, as far as grades go, it's a, it's a tie for me, 805, 805 for Levis and um, Stroud. But I, I uh, such a tough call. Yeah, yeah, I so, get that. Go ahead, Matt. 
he mentioned Stroud. I mean, he's throwing the first round picks left and right, being protected by first round picks. I think the same is true for Young. The same is true for Fields. How much did you wait that Levis didn't have that advantage? I mean, that's one of the things you just have to take into account when you're watching it. You see, um, mm-hmm. you know, the the connection that a Stroud has with a, a Jackson Smith and Jigba, knowing where Jackson Smith and Jigba is. You've seen things come out the last couple of weeks about, oh, Jackson may be the only wide receiver that goes in round one. That's what Nagy tweeted out a couple of days ago, Jim Nagy. Um, and you've taken into account, like, uh, Barry and Brown. I know he had Wandell Robinson there last year. He also transferred from Penn State. Like, there was just never an abundance of talent there. And, and, you know, people tie it back to, well, Cam Newton was able to, you know, go to the championship with his team and his team was terrible back at Auburn. Um, but I think there's a different dynamic there as far as the rushing goes and, and all that stuff. But I mean, as far as playing the SEC at the highest level of competition, Will Levis, I thought did a good enough job to uh, show his abilities and capabilities. Yes. Like I said, there is things where uh, he tends to hold on the ball too long. He's taking sacks and uh, you know, he may, he might wait a couple milliseconds too long to make a throw and boom, there's an interception, but you're trying to force the ball in there where, as I see a lot on tape with guys like Bryce and CJ, it's like, there's like a, a blown coverage or dudes are wide open all over because you're playing with an abundance of talent where Will Levis really just wasn't given that hand. And, you know, uh, one of my, one of my good friends, Matty Keel, my player profiler said, uh, you know, you can tie it back to is, is imagine Matthew Stafford uh, without AJ green. And you go back to his freshman season at, at Georgia. And I think he was sub 60% passing uh, without AJ green. And and then he gets AJ green. And all of a sudden he elevates that game and becomes that top five. I think it was number one pick actually, but uh, yeah, I thought that was, was a very interesting comp was with Matt. Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I, I like hearing that. Certainly some hope. And, yeah. and I really like, uh, I just like the fact that you guys have differentiated your draft grades versus fantasy grades because they are they are two separate things. Of course, we get caught up here in the fantasy end of things, especially from a dynasty standpoint. Uh, but NFL draft grades or, or prospect grades, what we expect to see in the NFL draft, those are two different things. Um, Cody, when we come back, we're going to talk about some running backs. Uh, you got a couple running backs that you are uh, very different from consensus on, and I want to hear all about those. We'll do that right after this. Folks, today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. You've heard me talk about this mobile game app, and if you've ever thought you'd make a good GM, as I have, I mean, I've kind of spent my whole life you know, on this pursuit, you got to give this game a try. But it, it's not as easy as you think it might be to create a dynasty. So, When you play Ultimate Football GM, you get to control and manage every strategic aspect of your team as you play through seasons and lead your team to glory, trying to build a historic dynasty. Like I said, I mean, pretty much my whole life, I was reading Mel Kuyper's Blue Books when I was a kid or before the internet, thinking about building teams. And and with Ultimate Football GM, you're responsible for controlling the destiny of your franchise by hiring the right coaches and coordinators. They take it to that step as well. Managing all the finances, including negotiating player salaries and terms, navigating your franchise through free agency, the draft, injuries, player personnel issues, and all the ups and downs of a season. All this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Football GM is completely free and playable offline. You can play on the go as you want and when you want. So Locked On Dynasty listeners get 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, LOCKEDON, and so make sure you check it out today. Download the game. Just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up in the app stores. That's ultimate-gm.com, ultimate football GM. Start your dynasty today. 
All right, we're back. We are talking to Cody Carpentier from Player Profiler. We're talking rookie outliers today. Some players that uh, Cody and the the team over at Player Profiler have some very different rankings or grades on compared to the consensus. Cody, let's talk running backs. I know you love this guy. I love him as well. Not not quite as much as you though. Let's talk Roshan Johnson. Uh, from a fantasy standpoint, he is your RB4 in this rookie class. And I've thrown out that term consensus rankings, and you can check the rankings at DLF, at Player Profiler, wherever you want. Just for reference, uh, the new ADP that we have at DLF, uh, Roshan Johnson is the RB10 in that ADP wow. data. Uh, you guys have him at four. Tell us what you love about Roshan Johnson. The conversation for us was between Roshan and Zach Charbonnet uh, for three and four. And we had Roshan three, and I lost the boxing match uh, over uh, Roshan after the athleticism came through at the Combine. They didn't love the 10-yard split, even though he was third in the 10-yard split in the entire draft. Um, but they they went, for, they went for Roshan. That was accumulation of everybody at Player Profiler, so I got to go there. They're both 22 and a half years old. They both are 220-plus pound athletes. Um, but Roshan Johnson, man, I have a benefit of being friends with Alex Dunlap, who is a writer and a, an analyst for Orange Bloods down there in Austin, Texas. And I've been talking to Alex about Roshan for about a year and a half dating back to the 2022 Senior Bowl when we were down there looking at last year's class with Damian Pierce and Brian Robinson, and there was executives down there talking about Roshan next year, not Bijan. It was everyone knows about Bijan. Wow. It was the 2022 Senior Bowl. It was hey guys, Roshan da 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 da. And now you look forward to a year a year later. And Jim Nagy tweets out last night that even the devaluation of running back position, it sounds like Roshan could come off the board on day two, which is something we've been pounding for months now uh, about Roshan Johnson and his capabilities. He ran a four five eight at the combine, fifty third percentile. It's not beautiful, but it's nice. Josh Jacobs is his comparable on player profiler. My big thing I was sitting down there at the senior bowl. I couldn't find a comp for me because I have a play style comp in this draft guide, and then we have the comparables, which comes off of athleticism and statistics and other things like that. It was Sean Alexander. I'm sitting there staring at him like, who is this guy? Who is this huh. guy? And I came up with Sean Alexander because he runs kind of with a, an open frame, uh, and, yeah. and he's a very powerful runner. He had over 2,000 yards rushing at Texas, and everyone's like, why didn't he transfer? Why didn't he transfer? It's because he's the ultimate teammate. Alex defines it as he was the heart of the team. Um, and, and you know, everyone thinks it's Bijan right away, but Bijan – He's the ultimate football player, right? But Roshan was the ultimate teammate. He was kind of the captain of the football team, as you'd call it, or the internal captain, you know. Um, and, and just what he brings to the table is different. When you were down there at the Senior Bowl, you could feel um, that it was his week. And then he, he you know, has a hand injury on day one, doesn't continue yeah. out the week. But he was the dude. Like, it was his time to shine. And there was a reason that Keontae Ingram left uh, and went to USC that last season at Texas. It wasn't because of Bijan. It was because he knew if Bijan went down, it wasn't Keontae's job. It was Roshan's job. And Roshan came in as a quarterback, as a freshman. He moved over to running back. And and every time, the thing with me with Roshan is every time you turn the tape on for Roshan, it is just hyper acceleration. It is downhill. It is fast. It is aggressive. He's utilized on the special teams as a pass, a run blocker, and he's a receiver out of the backfield. I think that Roshan just gives you so many different avenues of usage. Uh, he had a 6% college target share, which is only 41st percentile, but it showed that he could do it in college. He had 23 receptions in 2019, 11 and 14 the last two years. And he's got a ton of tread left on the tires because, again, he played with Bijan and he was kind of more of a change of pace guy, but he hasn't crested 100 rushing attempts in the last three seasons. But yet he's went over 550, 560 rushing yards. I think Roshan Johnson is a is a uh, 
just a beast sleeping right now when it, when it looks to the broad running back class because this class is deep at running back, but people are overlooking a guy like Roshan and boosting guys maybe with with lesser clean profiles or or lesser things known. And one of the things that I guess I've seen the last couple of days is, <clears throat> well, we haven't seen two running backs do this and go to the same school and come out. And it's like, well, we have, though. Cadillac Williams, Ronnie Brown, yeah, you yeah. go back to the Miami days. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's happened. Maybe it hasn't happened recently, but it's happened before. And I think sure. that this is a great example of uh, two guys that can work. You mentioned it briefly, and I think it's a big deal, is you know they're not going to have Bijan run down on kickoffs and things like that. But Roshan you know, reinvented himself as a special teamer and that's going to keep him active on game day week one in the NFL, even if he, you know, if his running back skills are still coming along. So, I mean, that itself is a big deal to me. I was going to point out the same thing. I'm glad Cody did. And and Matt, you kind of reinforced it there. Uh, Yeah. Roshan Johnson didn't get the reps that, that a lot of these other running backs might have. Um, He, he didn't get the, the number of carries that he would have if he transferred to a different school. But uh-huh. he he got the the chance to perfect all those those secondary um, skills and, and those things that are going to get you on the field, catching the ball uh, and and blocking Protection. and the yeah. uh, and the special team. So good stuff there. Uh, great sales job on Roshan Johnson, he, and he really impressed me at the uh, at the combine as well, um, both in in the media uh, availability and and in the drills as well. Let's talk really. He looks like a full-grown man already, yeah, too. Yeah, like he looks a little different than some of these guys. Yeah. Let's talk really quickly about a couple of running backs. You guys are lower on than consensus. Tajay Spears is the first one. Uh, another player that impressed me at the combine. You guys have him at RB nine. He is the RB five in DLF ADP, just for reference. And uh, Devon uh, A Chain RB six for you guys. Uh, which that, that's actually not not too far off, but RB four your film grade or your uh, draft prospect grade on A chain is RB twelve. So maybe like him a little bit more uh, from a fantasy standpoint or a little more upside in fantasy uh, than uh, potentially as as a draft prospect. Uh, Cody, just talk about both of those guys if you can. Yeah, Tyja Spears is one that I loved him at the at the Senior Bowl. Same, I mean, he was playing with Roshan, right? And the minute Roshan left, it was Tyja that took the next step up. So I've been a big fan of Tyja, but the the athleticism is really what we thought was going to come through at a, at a more positive note. Yes, ninety first percentile burst score for uh, for Tyja Spears, five ten two oh one. So Alex also he he refers to the two hundred seven pound marker as the Trey Mason Dixon line because when you're under two hundred seven, obviously <laughs> that's less than elite. But if you're above two hundred seven, that's just like a marker that you want to hit. Taiji hits down at 201, um, and he's 21.8 years old. So he's got a good age on him, but then he runs the 454 at his pro day. And when you adjust the five tenths of a uh, five hundredths of a second, it's 459, which at that size and that frame, he doesn't play like a guy that runs a 459. He plays like a guy that should be in the low four fours. And that was one thing that I just didn't love, as well as the fact that uh, um, he's got this, this prior knee injury that it looks like it's good. It looks like he's going to be just fine, um, but we haven't gotten positive medicals. I want to see those things come through. For me, he comp more closer to a, a Najee, Najee Himes, Najee, blah, losing my name there, Najee, Naheem, Naheem Hines. Hines, not Najee. I'm kind of putting Najee <laughs> and Najee together. Naheem Too Hines. Too many names. 
Too yeah. many names here. And uh, we have him best comparable to Daryl Henderson on playerprofiler.com. I think he's a complete athlete with fluidity throughout his body. But, again, the the height, weight thing and not being as athletic as I thought he was going to be. Um, I, you know, I projected him to be in the 190, 195-pound frame, so he did come in heavier. But as an overall prospect, I like Taija, and I love the depth of this class. Um, I just don't see a world for him to get up into that top eight because this top eight, I think, is pretty strong. Okay. And what about A-Chain? A chain is one man. It's it's the easy comps everyone goes to is Chris Johnson, um, yeah. is is uh, C J Spiller and guys like this. But the for me, it's just the frame, 188 pounds, yeah. uh, and I think he's more of a directional runner than I think he uh, than he is like a, a side to side agile back that like Chris Johnson Fine. can yeah. can get outside. And Philip Lindsay was my comp for him because I think he's got elite burst at track long speed. Obviously, we know he's a track star. I think he's got an insane ability to get north and south, but I think he's got very tight knees, very tight lower half, uh, good. Pass Pass catcher, uh, 36 receptions in 2022. But again, like I just think uh, as far as the ability to move and wiggle uh, behind the line of scrimmage and on the outside after he catches the pass, he struggles there. And that just 5'9", 188 is just not a good drawing board for a successful NFL back in the long term. Uh, In fantasy, we have him a little bit higher just because of that boom upside that you could potentially have like the Chris Johnson's, like the C.J. Spillers. But as far as NFL draft grade, it's not a guy that I would be spending much draft capital on, especially you're hearing the last couple months of like, oh, this guy could be a second-round pick or or early third-round pick because of the speed. That's just not something that I want to, from, from an NFL perspective, want to put on my team, uh, and especially at the running back position when he's not uh, a wide receiver like Aina Smith from Texas A&M as well, another guy that's out there. If, if it was Aina Smith playing wide receiver with A.J. speed, I think you have a different conversation because you can he's more versatile, but I don't think A-Chain has the versatility that a guy like uh, Aina Smith does. Yeah, you'd like to get more in the passing game, you know, more devout route trees as well. I think that would be a big game changer too. It's like it, it would be massive if he was a guy that, you know, you know, you could put out there and say, all right, we're going to give this guy 85 targets and he's uh-huh. a game changer. He's just not a game changer. And I think that's, that's one of the big things. All right. When we come back, we'll finish up the conversation of rookie outliers with some pass catchers. Thanks for making Locked On Dynasty your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes. From free agency to the draft, salary cap management, and more. Join NFL experts Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino as they take you through what it's like to build a successful NFL franchise every Monday through Friday. Find Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Cody, let's talk wide receivers here. A couple of hot names and players that are pretty clearly going in two different directions here. Jonathan Mingo, just uh, almost out of nowhere. You know, you hear those terms, uh, they're stock up or stock down. And, and then you'll, you know, you'll hear some say that's not really a thing. That's just kind of a, a media fallacy. And, you know, whether it's a thing or not, it feels like Jonathan Mingo's stock has, has <laughs> shot up over the past couple of weeks. Um, you guys have him from a fantasy perspective as wide receiver nine, which is uh, still pretty aggressive if you look at at ADP or other rankings. But from a draft standpoint, as a prospect, you've got to measure wide receiver six. So you guys are definitely uh, higher on Jonathan Mingo than probably anybody else out there. Uh, let's start the conversation with him. Cody, before you do, do, do you give him a little more credit because he's 
a lot bigger than them. I mean, this, this receiver class is so small. I mean, do you think that that helps his cause quite a bit with this ranking? For sure. 100%. I think it okay, does okay. because when you look at this wide receiver class, as you just mentioned, it is, uh, a lot of, uh, as, uh, my boss, uh, Matt Kelly would say shrimpy dudes, a lot of shrimpy guys in the <laughs> Addison's, the flowers, the downs, the Mims, I could keep going like six more names, but I'm not going to. And the one that everyone stapled in there as the elf of the class was Quentin Johnson. And a little bit of this goes into Quentin Johnson, right? Quentin Johnson was supposed to come in and be this hyper athlete. Uh, he runs a four five Oh, at his pro day and it's four five five. When you extrapolate at 208 pounds, Okay, that's not quite on the alpha level. That's more of a clash. It's more of a Terrace Marshall, which you're kind of going to walk into there with the Quentin Johnson. It scares you off a little bit. Jonathan Mingo, I think, is the guy that could save the alpha grouping or the outside wide receiver in this draft class. Um, I compared him to a Josh Palmer type. I think he's bigger and a little bit faster than Josh Palmer. He ran that 4.46. And when you look at the comps, a 226-pound running, 226-pound wide receiver coming out of Old Miss. That runs a four four six. I mean, you could tie the lines yourself. It's AJ Brown. And when you look at the top five comparables at playerprofile.com, it is the best grouping. We, we, you know, we have the top comparable that shows up, but there's five guys underneath there that you can pull from data analysis. It's Alan Lazard. It's AJ Brown. It's Julio Jones, Allen Robinson, and LaVisca Chenault. So I think it's a pretty good grouping mm. of wide receivers there that you can kind of kind of talk about Mingo in. Uh, I think he has the size to be a meaningful number two with the upside of being an alpha in this league. Uh, I think he's able to go uh, up for any ball, a good, you know, first moving at the line of scrimmage. I think you can watch the, the the replays of the senior bowl uh, down there in Mobile of his route, his footwork at the line of scrimmage and his ability to just separate off the line of scrimmage, which I think is a very underrated thing because most people think, well, he doesn't create much separation downfield, but if you don't have to create separation downfield because you get the line of scrimmage so quickly and so elegantly, I think you can win off of there, especially in the red zone. He dominated down there uh, in Mobile. I think that Jonathan Mingo could be the one that saves his class as far as the big wide receivers go. And again, he's not 6'3", 6'4". He's only six one, but that's a lot bigger than 5'7", 170. It's 6'1", 226. Uh, Mingo's a guy that when you talk to to guys like Nagy, uh, Jim Nagy, that are in the know around the NFL, they see guys like Jonathan Mingo and Cedric Tillman uh, rising ever so quickly as far as the NFL goes because of the likes of Quentin Johnson falling down and not being uh, up on the same par uh, as far as an athlete goes. Jonathan Mingo in current DLF rookie ADP is the wide receiver 16, 46 oh, wow. overall. And that's in single quarterback uh, leagues, 46 overall. Wow. It looks like he might be a late fourth Time rounder. Uh, I think by the time we're doing real rookie drafts in our leagues, he's going to be more like a late second rounder, not a fourth rounder. Uh, Mingo will continue to rise. Jalen Hyatt going the other direction. You guys have him as your wide receiver 12 from a fantasy standpoint. Uh, wide receiver six at DLF based on the ADP there. You know, I mean, it, it seems like we've locked him in as a first rounder in the NFL draft. And I think that, uh, that idea is starting to shift. And if he falls into round two as you know, it's starting to look like the reality that fantasy value is going to go with it. I think so. I think that uh, Jaden Reed, uh, sorry, Jalen Reed, Jalen Hyatt is one that's been going down over the last month. Um, the conversation around him is of course speed. And that's what everyone wants to refer to uh, being the best receiver at, at Tennessee. But a lot of people don't think he's the best receiver at Tennessee because you go back a year ago and a guy I mentioned just a minute ago was Cedric Tillman. He was the number one player, number one wide receiver on the senior bulls big board going uh, into the season. As far as prospects to watch at the wide receiver position, highest 21 and a half years old. He didn't really break out till this year when he had a thousand. He only had 200 each of the last two seasons. Um, and of course he's got this, this 
you know, yards per reception, 18.9. He has 15 touchdowns. It's just a massive output with Hendon Hooker. But how easy does that transit to the NFL? People want to say, well, Christian Watson's got that speed. Christian Watson did it. Christian Watson is an entirely different football player than a Jalen Hyatt is. He's only 176 pounds. And they go, what about Devontae Smith? Well, Devontae Smith had a completely different route tree than Jalen Hyatt does. I think yeah. Jalen Hyatt can only do a couple different things. And we talked to Lance Zierlein at the Combine. I was like, why Why is Jalen Hyatt your, your top receiver? I love Lance Zierlein. I respect him more than a lot people in this entire uh draft community but he's a he said he's a one-trick pony but that one trick is a game changer it's a difference maker it's that lightning speed that he can bring and he did run a 440 at the combine which was not great in terms of what the expectation was yeah. for him to be in the right. four twos but he was 23.6 miles per hour uh, on the gps which was number one tied with Keishon booty um i think hyatt's still going to be overdrafted and overdrafted can still be top 45 i think he he mm-hmm. stu- i think by the time the draft comes around he does end up being a second round pick um but because of sheer speed uh i think the media is perceiving him as a first round pick which is okay but i think he aligns in that day westbrook that diami brown that john brown Quez Watkins type. I don't think that the, the the first round conversation is warranted, even though he did have a great season last year. He was a Blitnikoff winner. It's just not an easy translation to the NFL. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to spend a first round pick on a guy that can only run a couple routes. And yes, he can take the top off the defense, but in the NFL, it's 176 frame, 176 pound frame. It's not a 200 pound Randy Moss. It's not a 200 pound uh, Christian Watson. It's a little bit different for me. Oh, I totally agree. I, I think he's Will Fuller or Ted Ginn, you know. Yeah, Ted Ginn's good. Yeah, I like that. It's just tough because everyone's perceiving it to be like he's going to be this massive thing, and in, especially in fantasy, in best ball, okay, cool. But that's like cliche alert. Okay, he's going to be a best ball wide receiver. Okay, cool. Yeah. But, I mean, we're talking first off <laughs> NFL draft grade to be a game changer in the NFL, to be a guy that can run all nine routes, to be a guy that can really benefit your football team, it takes a little more than, for me than just that one trick. And then for fantasy, if you're not playing best ball, how are you going to trust a guy that's going to have a two-and-a-half-point output, a 40-point output, a 12, mm-hmm. a two, a zero? Like, you know what I'm saying? We've done this so many times, year after year, week after week, in fantasy with the guys that, that don't run the full route tree and they're one-trick ponies. And it's just a tough sell for me. Yeah, I get it. Really, really good stuff today, Cody. Uh, we appreciate your time and your your thoughts on these rookie outliers. Uh, before we wrap up here, tell our listeners where they can find you, find your work, and where they can find that rookie guy that has all of this information that we've talked about today. You can find all my work at Carpenter NFL on Twitter and Instagram. And then you can find the rookie guide on playerprofile.com on the homepage. There's a little icon underneath the search bar to get your rookie guide or in the NFL draft section, you click on the NFL draft section and it says rookie guide and you can plug it in right there. But I appreciate Ryan, Matt. I appreciate you guys having me on today. It was uh, much appreciated. I love chopping up, talking about these prospects. So thank you. It was fun. Everybody should check out the guide too. It's good stuff. Definitely. Definitely. That will do it for today's show. Please make sure you download and subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Remember to follow the show at locked on dynasty. Follow Matt at Williamson NFL and I'm Ryan MC 23. We'll be back next time with more locked on dynasty.